for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Kenny Caraway, radio talk show host for ESPN out in Sacramento, about the Sacramento Kings hiring of Warriors assistant Mike Brown. He spent time as the head coach of the LA Lakers, also of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and has been Steve Kerr's right hand man for a number of years in Golden State. He's also at the helm of the Warriors right now with Steve Kerr in the COVID protocol. These are all things we can talk about with Kenny Caraway, who joins me next. Today is Monday. May 16th. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Kenny Caraway. You hear him, of course, on the D'Lo and KC show on ESPN 1320. Also, you can hear him on the Be Heard platform, the J Street Vibes pod. What better guy to have on to talk a little Sacramento Kings basketball? You can talk anything with KC, but especially because Mike Brown has signed as the new head coach of the Kings. We thought we'd get KC on, man. What's going on, KC? How are you? I'm good, man. Well, it's good to talk to you again, Coach. Man, it's it's crazy. Like uh, going back like five, six years, seven years, I would I would call in and be like, "Hey, you got to talk to Irvin Mack," and Coach would be like, "Yeah, I'll get you on in a second. Now look at you, man. You you one of the big wigs out there in the Bay Area, and I'm doing a little something out here too, man." So, oh man, we're just yeah, we're just holding good. it down, man. We're holding it down, getting our voices heard on uh, on some of these topics, man. So let me get your uh, your real time reaction. The the Mike Brown hiring goes down. I know I, there's probably nobody more passionate about Sacramento Kings basketball than you are. What were your initial thoughts on the Mike Brown hire? Because I look at him and I go, "It's." It's tough to tell sometimes with young coaches early in their career, and he had LeBron James out in Cleveland, how good a coach is or how well a coach has fared. Same can be said about a guy like Luke Walton, right, who had a, a great start to that season with the Warriors going 24-0 while Steve Kerr was out dealing with his uh, his back surgery and the pain that he was going through. And obviously then the Kings hire Luke Walton. So what's your reaction just a square one on Mike Brown? Yeah. <laughs> why why so eh on mike brown you didn't want to retread you didn't want somebody who had uh who'd been around the league before you wanted your own guy let me be fair and truthful to mike brown i don't know him but just from a distance i like mike brown the man everything that everybody says about him is a one so i was glad to see him get an opportunity for that i think he's a great basketball mind he's he's paid his dues he's gone through ups and downs. He was a head coach. Then he, he went into being an assistant and learning the game a different way. And now obviously with Steve Kerr and all the success he's had with the Warriors. So I think he's a great basketball mind. One of the things that worries me is this is just a gut feeling and maybe this is unfair to him, but I, I wasn't sure if he was a head coach that could turn a franchise around the way the Kings are right now. And I felt like the ceiling was highest because there was three guys involved. It was Mike Brown, Mark Jackson, and Steve Clifford. I felt like the ceiling was higher, just the gut feeling for Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson, I felt, could take you to heights that Mike Brown and Steve Clifford couldn't take you. So when they went with Mike Brown, actually, eh, isn't fair. The first thought was, good for Mike Brown, let's get this going. But the second thought was just like, um, all right, Mike Brown, like, let's see what he can do. I go back and forth with, with my guy D'Lo all the time about the coach can only do so much for you. You need talent. Talent and, and what happens on the court with those players, that's always first and foremost. Even with me wanting Mark Jackson to be the hire, if he was the hire, I wouldn't have been super excited because it's going to come down to De'Aaron Fox and what he does as a leader. It's going to come down to Sabonis. It's going to come down to who Monty McNair can get in there to play with those two. And last year, for instance, when Luke Walton was the coach and Alvin Gentry was the coach, 
I, I don't care if it was uh, Luke Walton, Red Arback, and Phil Jackson rolled into one. Nobody was winning with that group because they were just dysfunctional. They couldn't mesh. So that's kind of a long-winded way of saying, eh. Yeah. Right, <laughs> I, I hear you because because there is a, a – there's two sort of thoughts or two lines of thought, I think, when you're talking about bringing in a head coach to sort of revitalize or change an organization, and that's what the Kings are looking for. I hear you on the fact that Mike Brown is not a splashy hire. He's probably more of a safe hire, uh, probably more of a safe hire than Mark Jackson. I know you're talking about his ceiling and maybe what he could bring uh, the team to do or, or what heights he could bring the organization to. Steve Clifford is probably more of a middle-of-the-road, steady-as-she-goes type guy as well. So I do think Mike Brown, as far as stability goes, is maybe the right guy in – in those terms, I do wonder though, like, cause you're talking sort of a, a, you know, if you bring in Red Arbach or Phil Jackson or one of these big name coaches, a Pat Riley type guy, does he immediately turn things around? Certainly it's a splashier hire and he becomes the face of that organization. I don't think Mike Brown does that. And you brought up a, a great point. Players make plays, right? Coaches are there to sort of help the culture, to change the culture, to rebuild things internally uh, throughout the course of a game or throughout the course of a season. And I don't think that'll be an issue for Mike Brown, but in terms of the type of talent they need, in terms of what they did well last year, and I think adding Sabonis was a, a huge add, one of the bigger trades that went down at deadline time. What are the Kings missing in terms of roster uh, stability? Because you talk about De'Aaron Fox, you talk about Sabonis. Who else needs to be there? What other weapons do they need? What does Mike Brown need to be successful going into next season? There's two spots that they really need to shore up more than anything, and that's the power forward spot, and that's the shooting guard spot. When you talk about the shooting guard spot. They got Dante DiVincenzo. Um, he's going to be a restricted free agent this year. The Kings have been trying to get him for about two or three different off seasons. Now they finally got him at the trade deadline last year. So my thought is Dante is coming back. I like Dante. I do. He's, a, he's, he's gritty. He's tough. Uh, like I say on the show, he's tougher than a $2 steak. So that's the kind of toughness that they need out there on the perimeter. I like Davion Mitchell. I love what he brings to the table. Another guy that's tough. And I think he, both of those guys will work well with Mike Brown and his system. Terrence Davis is another shooting guard that I like. I say all this today, all this to say, while two guard is an issue that they need to upgrade from, I think they're okay there. Like, I think you can manage there. The four spot is the tough spot. And that's the hardest one to, that's going to be something that they've got to take care of because it's not just the four. Essentially, what everybody believes, and I believe as well around here, is you need a guy that's a stretch for. You need a guy that can shoot the three and probably can also defend inside the paint at a high level because Sabonis isn't really a, a rim protector like that. So you're looking at a guy that may not be available. Some people say John Collins. I don't know what his outside shot is looking like. I don't know what he's going to cost. Somebody like Tobias Harris is somebody that you might roll the dice on. But to get one of those guys – you'd probably have to move on from Harrison Barnes. And now you have a hole at the three. So that four spot is going to be something that they really need to uh, address and they really need to hit a home run on. But more than anything, overall, I think there needs to be more toughness on the defensive end from this team. They can score. They can shoot the ball. They can put it in the basket. But that perimeter defense, particularly for me, it was an issue for this team last year, or it was just too easy for guards and, and guys on the wings to get where they wanted to get. They need to bring in somebody to help out with that. De'Aaron Fox has to be better on the defensive end as well. Harrison Barnes needs to be better on the defensive end as well. So that's where Mike Brown can come in and help with maybe a, a certain type of scheme or, or holding guys accountable on the defensive end where those issues 
they aren't such major issues for this team. Then instead of being 25th in the league on defense, I'm not saying you got to get into the top five, but if you can get in the 15, maybe we're talking about, you know, a, a drastic improvement with this team overall. You look at what the Warriors have been successful at. It has been being a, a solid defense, being a top 10 or a top five defense. And I know this year for the Warriors, it started out that way and then things sort of flailed at the back end. But Mike Brown is the architect of that defense. He is the defensive-minded guy. So when you look at this coming season, the 2022-2023 season, how would you gauge success in a first-year head coach in Mike Brown? Is it competing for the play-in game, getting close to that 10 spot? I mean, that would be a nice start, I think. But also, uh, c- could it be uh, just improving record, improving defensive uh, rating for the, the overall roster? What do you look at, and, and what will be your gauge of success at the end of next season? Oh, it's the playoffs. It's the playoffs. Simple as that, Copes. And I'm going to tell you this, maybe, maybe I'll look at it with a smile. I wouldn't even say a full smile. Maybe just a little bit of a smirk. <laughs> if you get into the plan, right? If you get into the plan, I'll be like, hmm, interesting. Not bad. All right. I wouldn't necessarily call it a success, but it's the playoffs. It's been 16 years, Copes. It's been 16 years since this city has had a basketball to get excited, a, a basketball game to get excited about in the springtime. It's entirely too long. There are teams, there are franchises who aren't trying to make the play in the playoff, who have made it multiple times. The San Antonio Spurs were trying to lose games Come this on, year man. and they, and they backed Thank into you. the play in, right? Exactly. Exactly. So there is no buffer period for Mike Brown. Monty McNair has been there. This is going to be his third season as general manager. You should have constructed a roster at, by now that is capable of saying, yeah, the expectations is playoffs. So that's what Mike Brown is walking into. That's just what it is here in Sacramento. Some people, like I said, may seem to feel as unrealistic, but I also look at this roster. Copes is talking about some of the things that they need. I also, at the same time, don't think they're that far off. I really don't. And when I say that far off, I'm saying that far off from being for sure a playing team, maybe being like a Minnesota. I don't think they're that far off. They're like a player away from that, especially from what I saw from Sabonis at the end of the season and what I saw from De'Aaron Fox once Sabonis got here because he he's opened up De'Aaron Fox's game offensively a whole lot with the I think they only played 10 games after the uh together after the, the trade. So with those two, if you could add somebody like a John Collins, a Tobias Harris, a Julius Randle, something like that, at that point, yeah, you got enough. Like people always talk about here, like, oh, you need you need another superstar. Look around the league. Look, there's not a whole lot of people with three quote unquote superstars or all-star caliber guys that are on the team. Some of these people are getting it done with two all-star caliber guys and then roll guys around them that know what they're doing and a coach who has established a system that everybody can can flourish in. And you you don't need a superstar to come here. You need somebody that's going to play the right way and exactly for what Mike Brown's vision is. I don't think they're that far off from that. They just got to be able to put it together and hit the ground running from from day one next year. It's a good point about uh, you know having another superstar because just using the Warriors as another barometer or another example, they're a team that, yeah, they're built for the regular season. They've got the superstars to get you through. But you look at the MVPs around the league, I want to say going back to like 2005 or maybe even before that, only three league MVPs have gone on to win the NBA title that year. I think it's Steph Curry. I think LeBron did it one year and Kobe might have done it one year. Kobe actually might have gone to the finals and lost after winning the MVP. Might have been what happened with him. But you look around and you go, yeah, you got to have superstars, but you got to have 
depth. You got to have players you can shrink down your rotation to eight or nine guys when you get to the playoffs to make a deep run. All right, let me ask you this because you mentioned the playoff drought for the Sacramento Kings. It is not the longest in sports. It is the longest in NBA history. Sixteen seasons going back to to twenty oh seven was the last time they were in the playoffs. I know the Buffalo Sabers have gone like eleven years without getting into the playoffs or something like that. I think the the Sabers were last in uh, in two thousand twelve. Who's the longest NFL one? It'd be the Jets, right? The Jets haven't been since they went back to back AFC title games. Wow, in that's been a long time now. 20, that's been yeah, like, Rex Ryan and Mark Sanchez. We make jokes about Mark <laughs> Sanchez and the butt fumble. Dude took him to back to back AFC title games. And then the longest drought in all of sports right now is the. Uh, do you know this one? The Seattle Mariners. Yeah, man, them poor people up in Seattle. <laughs> Two thousand. They lost a basketball team and they don't have a don't have a baseball team going to the playoffs. And right? now they've got extended playoffs coming here in MLB. Seattle's actually. Well, I haven't checked the standings in about a week and a half. Last time I checked, they were either first or second in the AL West. They're behind the Angels now. The Angels have gotten hot. They've learned how to pitch, and the Angels are up top now. So the Seattle is making moves to end that streak, and once that's done, the Kings will be sitting there with the, with the worst and if they don't take care of business this year. We both saw the NFL draft. We know how, how what a good job Robert Sala did, and we all think what a great job he did, right? We look at the draft and go, oh, he got the best players. He, he did exactly what he needed to do to, to add to his team. I'm still not a big believer in Zach Wilson. When you look at those four teams that I mentioned, in Buffalo, I don't follow a whole lot of hockey, so Buffalo Sabres are, are sort of on the back burner for me. When it comes to Seattle, the, or the Seattle Mariners, the Sacramento Kings, and the New York Jets, who ends the playoff drought first? My first thought is is the Mariners. I think they're going to get in this year, especially with the playoffs extending a little bit. And they look. I think the Mariners went to the last day of the season last year. They were involved, yeah, in that last week. They needed a bunch of help, but it was a whole one of those weird baseball things at the end where like nine different things have to go your way and you got to win. And, and they yeah, because I, I remember that last series of the. I remember watching on that Friday night. They got a big win, and it was people were going crazy. And then uh, Saturday, I think they lost Saturday and Sunday. But like they were close, and they see, I say that to say they seem they seem to have brought that momentum into this year, and they're playing well. So I think the Mariners will. But I'm also going to say this, Copes. I think the Kings get it done this year as well. I think they get it done. So only by cal- only by calendar. You've only got the Mariners by calendar because their playoffs will start calendar. before yeah, the Kings exactly. start. Right. Now I will also say this, and when I've been perfectly clear here, getting in the play in. Is not the playoffs. No, it's not. You've got to get in the series. So if they get in the play-in and they lose, they are not breaking the streak by getting in the play-in. I'm clear with that. All right, I'm good with that. I like that logic. And I'm with you because how about how in the play-in game, they don't even count those stats as playoff stats. It's like They're the like games no weren't even played. Man. They're no man. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Either give them to the regular season or give them to the postseason. They can't count for nothing. It's it's outrageous. Kenny, it's great catching up, dude. I love talking ball with you. And uh, we'll get you on again maybe sometime around draft time and when we get into the start of next season to, uh, to talk more Kings Hoop. Thanks so much, man. Anytime, man. You know we gotta talk about my Gantes, man. You know what I'm saying? I think they're gonna make it, they're gonna make a move this year. I think they're gonna make a move. They got the pitching staff, the one-two punch. Let's go. I'm still holding out. I'm I'm looking, I'm excited about this year. I'm excited about the pitching. I'm still holding out hope a little bit for a couple of years. I'm looking at that Juan Soto contract, man. I'm like, give that guy, mm. give that guy half a billion dollars. Let's call it a decade, huh? Let's <laughs> let's, let's go on and run. We'll do that next time, man. All right, Casey. We'll catch you later, man. Take care, Cubs. Great stuff from KC. Kings fans, of course, got a look at Mike Brown in the final couple of games of that Warriors Western Conference semi-win over the Memphis Grizzlies. Did a nice job, too. I know they had a blowout loss, but then handled business in Game 6. So, uh, good stuff for KC. Make sure you're looking at him on Twitter. Make sure you're following him. Also, a great boxing follow. Good stuff from KC on social media. 
Thank you to Brian Smith, my producer. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. On Wednesday, we'll get you set for the Warriors and the Dallas Mavericks in the Western Conference Final. How about that? A totally different matchup than the Warriors have seen at any point in any of their postseason runs. So uh, a little look at the Dallas Mavericks on Wednesday and then later in the week back into some San Francisco Giants baseball. Until then, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you Wednesday.